Welcome to today's episode, episode eight on life in the front office here. Jake Hirschman with Andy Dolich and Buffy Filippel. Really excited to have our two guests on today. Uh, Andy in California and Buffy, uh, our guests from Teamwork Online, Chief Executive Officer. Wanted to welcome you guys on today's podcast. Thank you, Jake. Nice to be here. And Buffy, we've known each other for a week or two, would you say? <laughs> we've known each other for a really long time, Andy. A really long time, and if I might say myself, a really terrific time. Um, you know, I, I was thinking when we were working through the hurdles of technology, in today's world, we have VR, AR, AI, metrics and analytics. We have cryptocurrency, but what seems to be missing as I look at a lot of young individuals who have multi-task capabilities that are scary, um, they miss one key area, and it's called IK, and I view IK as institutional knowledge. There's nobody, absolutely nobody in the world of sport that has more institutional knowledge in terms of how this business works, in terms of getting involved, in terms of moving up the complicated ladder to success, than my good and dear friend, Buffy Philippel. So, Buffy, a, a, a simple question at the beginning. Sure. With a level of technological expertise and nanosecond decision-making and billion-dollar decisions, how important is institutional knowledge for those that want to move ahead in business? Well, I think if you refer to institutional knowledge, Andy, um, from a standpoint of people, I think that knowing people more than superficially, knowing what they do, uh, how they work, knowing how they have advanced in their careers, and knowing you probably can't replicate much of that um, in today's world. I'm not sure that I was able to say when I was 22 years old, gee, I want to grow up and run a digital online recruiting network on the Internet because, of course, none of those things existed. <laughs> so um, institutional knowledge as it goes to the point of people, how people have um, performed in their jobs, how, how companies have provided whatever resources, the number of people. I think it all comes back to people. Well, and, and I couldn't agree more. I just happened to hear a story about a half an hour uh, ago before we went on about a um, broadcasting entity in Asia that is creating an anchor person as an avatar. And that person will actually be on the air 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I don't really want to live in that world. I mean, Buffy, you've, you've had so many people that you've had a look at in, in, I don't know whether it's in the millions, but it's in the lot. It, it, it's in the Mount Everest. Uh, when you started the business, there really was no competition. Sort of like when I graduated from Ohio University, and it was the only one, and now there's 375 programs. Um, 
what was it like then and what were you thinking when you started the business and what are really the two or three most impressive indicators of the growth of teamwork since you started in your 75-story office building in downtown? Great. Well, I think um, generally speaking, Andy, you and I knew that years ago the sports business was hired by who you knew and a professional team owner would oftentimes have a family member in the operation and if you were friends with the family then you could possibly get a job the value of the sports administration programs were was and clearly ohio university was one of the first uh, if not the first where you graduated gave you a little bit more understanding of what exactly do these businesses do? Do these teams do? What are the jobs that are there? How can you get trained at least academically, uh, educationally of how you can work in the industry? But still the hiring practice, even at Ohio through Ohio University was, did you know somebody and it used the network of, executives that had gone to college with a sports administration degree. What it wasn't is very open to anybody else. And Andy, if you can remember, nobody really wanted to let anybody know that there was a job available because they didn't want any of their season ticket holders to apply for a job and have the team say, you're not qualified. (laughs) You remember that? Uh, I do. And, you know, now... That's ironic that you brought that point up now that people are paying 25000 or 35000 or more for a license. <laughs> if you sell that, they just drop $250,000 on you, but you're not qualified. Right? If you've been smart enough to make enough money to afford a quarter of a million dollars to see the ticket. Right. Right. So if you all, if you remember as well, Andy, years ago, you never moved from one industry to another, one sport to another. If you can remember, if you were in baseball, you were in baseball. Now, I remember that you ended up starting in basketball, but it was very rare that somebody could move from sport to sport. Um, and suddenly, once I jumped into the recruiting practice in um, the late 80s, Boy, I started moving people from soccer over to basketball and baseball to football, and this was a really, really new thing. But I recognized that the skills that you had in marketing a team, it didn't matter what sport it was. Well, a perfect example, if you look at the, the two smartest colleagues, Jake, I'm not leaving you out because I'm going to throw it to you in a second, being an OU graduate. But if you look at Fred Clare um, and Pat Gallagher, their combined years in baseball with one team is like 85 years. And as you know, Buffy, I wasn't very good at holding on to a job. So I went the <laughs> other way with your help. And we've, we've worked with each other, A, as a candidate and me as a client. And I think that those, some of the growth that you're talking about in earlier days, that would be like somebody moving from physics to biology, right? If you look at all the different sports. Well, you're a physicist, you can't be a biologist, 
oh, you're a baseball person, you can't be a hockey person. And you identified the key point. I mean, the fluid that flows through the veins of sport is green. And if you can make things green, you can pretty much work anywhere. So, Jake, since you're a year or two junior, Sebastian and I, <laughs> I'll, throw, I'll throw it to you now. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And, you know, Buffy, one of the things I think we wanted to touch on today was obviously uh, how large Teamwork Online has become, you know, what maybe the initial thoughts were from the get-go when it first started and kind of the strategy behind it as you guys have progressed. Um, And then we'll eventually kick it to Andy in terms of what now the sports industry really looks like and, and really how you guys can capture that as well from a job perspective. Well, Teamwork Online, uh, to put it a little bit in a nutshell, is a we license recruiting software to a industry, an organization within the industry of sports and live events. So this is their recruiting software. TeamworkOnline.com is actually a kind of a Google search page or type of a search page where someone can find a position in sports or, or in, a, in a field, be able to select a job and then be given a list and then taken to the websites of those organizations that are posting those jobs on their websites. It is now a database of over 5 million individuals that are interested in and around the sports business. And as far as we know, um, based upon our data, we've had over 150,000 connections um, between candidates and employers. And we now have over 1,200 employers that are using our software to do their talent recruiting. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, you think about, you know, how many jobs in sports do truly exist, you know, across. Uh, all the different leagues, you know, not just the big four, which Andy will talk about in a second, but, you know, really kind of what that can do for an industry. And and I'm sure there's other things that are in parallel uh, across other industries, but in sports with it such, you know, being such a competitive industry, um, you know, talk a little bit about the influx in candidates and kind of how that all uh, transpired. Well, the the first license for teamwork online was with the Houston Texans. They were the first users of this idea that I had. It was in 1999 when uh, they had just gotten the rights to be able to host the, the 32nd franchise of the NFL team. And they needed to hire their entire staff. We had a box of about 300 resumes and dial-up was still popular in many, many cities. Broadband was very popular in Houston. I think it was the third wired city, most wired city at the time in broadband. The NFL allowed the teams to be able to build their own websites, and the Houston Texans then said, we need to be able to connect something on a website to be able to recruit executives. I looked at a number of features. One was actually a system on Quaker Oats, 
and thought that was kind of an interesting one and uh, thought, gee, what if I connected a recruiting system on each of these teams' websites? I would draw people to the website to be able to look at the team, to be able to look at the events, to look at the team personnel, to get to know the organization, and, um, and then apply for a job with that organization. If I had that, then I would need a directory page of how to be able to find all of these things. So once we launched the Houston Texans, we started with a position in uh, servicing the premium suite holders that were purchasing um, uh, permanent seat licenses. And as a matter of fact, Sherry Rainey was one of the early recruits we had, and I believe she's still there at the Houston Texans. So this has been a been a long time coming, but we ended up starting with, with the Houston Texans, and then the XFL was the second one to be able to say, we have to recruit 122 people um, to create this XFL league, and we need some help on recruiting. I had been, and still am, an executive search consultant and doing it um, with a lot more personal touch on it. But to recruit 122 people all within about a three or four month spread was pretty challenging to do as a recruiter. And so I'd suggest we do it online. They said, what's online? <laughs> and I said, it's a lot like it's take a look at the Houston Texans and you can see this. As the story goes, we launched the same system that we launched on the Houston Texans in which the Texans were getting about 100 people a week apply for their jobs. The XFL got 56,000 people apply for jobs with the XFL in four to five months. It was a, a massive amount of information. Wow. That sounds like a season ticket base going back to uh, Andy's Andy's comment earlier. Um, yeah, 326 with the 76ers. Buffy, is you bringing up XFL and Houston Texans are two things jump to mind. Number one, the XFL is uh, reimagining itself and coming uh, to a city near you in 2020 with this <laughs> McMahon and Commissioner Oliver Locke. So you've seen you've seen an entity that really was built on the global popularity of wrestling now in its second iteration. The Alliance of American Football literally starts playing, I think, in 92 days. And there's another one, Pacific Pro. So it clearly, a lot of people want to work in pro football. For those three entities, the current XFL, AAF, and Pat Pro, for those people that, that want to work for these teams, what do you think? What's the best piece of advice? for them other than going to teamwork online. But what would you tell uh, people that are listening to this who want to work for these leagues but don't know how to get to them? Well, I, I certainly think that the, the biggest difference in these jobs versus, Andy, the jobs that have been around in Major League Baseball and the NBA and the NFL are startup positions, is that it takes a different kind of person to be able to help start up a team nothing is organized for you you almost you don't even have an office you can't even get the phones to work you you have no 
you have no um, name of your organization. There's no merchandise. There's there's no one uh, to be able to open up the door in the morning except yourself. So the understanding that this is absolutely new and therefore it's somewhat better with people who have had some startup or what I'll call turnaround experience where they have taken something that was not very well organized and be able to make it happen. And that takes a, a certain type of individual to be able to do that. I feel that it's helpful to have had some experience for some of the positions already in the industry so that there is a bit of a footprint that you understand how to be able to do that job. Then the ability to find who is the executive You'd have to go to the, their website to be able to find some of their personnel. You might want to talk to some of your colleagues that you currently work with to try to network with them. But I think that the opportunities in that those leagues are clearly for someone who's a lot more adventuresome uh, and has had some experience of turning something around or starting something up. Yeah, Fonte, that is a perfect example. And Jake, you've you've had a number of moves already in in the in your young career. But I was always thinking, and Buffy and I have talked about this over time. Uh, chaos is the new normal. Chaos is the new normal. And if you look at startups, you know, if you call Tom Ward up uh, of the Birmingham Iron and said, hey, you guys started in a while. What do you need? The Buffy's original point, we need people to sell, 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 and sell. No, you're not going to have an office with a view of the stadium. You're going to be at a table <laughs> with 30 other people yelling and screaming to try to sell tickets, right, Bob? Right, right. <laughs> and I, there, was a, there was a story that Ben Milsom gave at our... Um, networking event we had at the Tampa Bay Lightning and he said when he first joined the Tampa Bay Lightning and got on the phone he would call up people and say hi I'm Ben Milson with the Tampa Bay Lightning and they said we've already gotten our order from the other company uh the other lighting company down the street <laughs> no 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 I'm not a lighting company I'm the Lightning which is a professional <laughs> hockey team yeah. Clearly, Tampa Bay's got to work on their on their hockey team recognition, right? Well, I remember that when the Staples Center was built, uh, the calls came into the Staples Center, and people were asking what were the price of <laughs> the paper that week. <laughs> Naming rights at its finest, right there. <laughs> Buffy, as we transition. You know, Andy's talked about going to chaos and disaster uh, in terms of finding opportunities. What do you think some of the macro opportunities are in terms of the trends uh, in sports? Well, I think I think some of the trends um, in the sports business are some of the new things, such as uh, some esports um, and um, different enter different ways of doing entertainment um, and. And where are where are people watching your product? I think those are those answers need to be answered by this next group of people that are coming into the industry. 
Well, Jake, and what when you, when you, Jake when you came out of OU, I mean, you were very skilled. I'm sure you were. You had an A plus average. <laughs> but what is, what have you seen in all the uh, permutations that you've had and all the work that you've done? What are the skills that, that maybe weren't taught to you at AU that you've gained in, in the last few years? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things really is, you know, obviously when you go through school, you're taught how to present, you're taught how to, you know, put papers together and all that sort of stuff. But one of the skills, quite frankly, is um, how to email someone uh, correctly, how to, uh, I mean, it sounds so simple and, and silly, but you'd be surprised uh, the amount of professionals that you work with um, that maybe the email, I mean, I see emojis in emails now and all sorts of stuff like that to where, you know, if, if you're a salesperson and you're trying to sell sponsorships, the way in which your email comes across to um, the person on the other end is is vitally important. Uh, and the way that you're able to uh, ex- express yourself in a written form, but in the same sense, you know, it's different than walking in somewhere and talking to someone, right? You have to be able to express in, in different manners. Um, and that's one of the things. And then the other part of it is um, obviously at being at OU, you learn to network, but I think Uh, everyone always thinks of networking up, right? They network to the CEO, they network to the VP, but really it's networking across to your peers uh, because at some point your peers will become the VP or the GM or whatever it might be. Um, And ultimately, you know, as you succeed in your career, you want to lean on on those people and kind of who you um, grow and, and crop with in terms of uh, the industry and, and across the, the different, parts of the industry, kind of like Buffy was talking about, you know, moving from soccer to hockey to basketball. And if all of a sudden you create these different relationships, not only does it open the door for opportunity, but it also, you know, opens the door for the ability to uh, collaborate with people who are in different parts of the industry to to grab different ideas. And I think sometimes those sorts of skills, um, they're kind of hard to develop. You more so learn it as you go, um, but it's not always something that's taught in school. So, Buffy, you you smashed through the glass ceiling before there was even the term glass ceiling in terms of the industry. And we've seen so many changes over time. Your insight into the whole aspect of diversity in being hired and all the different skills, the global nature, um, those attracted to the industry, is there any kind of definition and who do you view just in general terms as really getting it in terms of representing the sort of, um, I don't know, the gumbo of what sport is in terms of diversity of all levels of economics, background, ethnicity, men, women, um, what are your views on how well the industry is doing and how much more it has to do? Great question, Andy, as um, I've been becoming much more aware even this year about the, the disparities between um, 
women in senior positions and, um, and, and versus men um, and the diversity makeup, clearly that is um, a key, key interest on the part of the sports business. I would say that almost all of the owners are very, very supportive of being able to build their organizations with a diverse group of people. It's not necessarily just talk. They really have a vested interest because they understand that their customers are diverse as well and the need to be able to match um, have a, have an understanding of their customers within their front offices. So we're seeing an awful lot of interest in um, any tools that we can provide that will create much more openness and inclusion. So Teamwork Online has just created the first, what I'll say, gender analyzer for job descriptions. We have recognized that words on a job description really matter to men and women, and most particularly to women. They have a tendency to read every single word in a job description, and if something doesn't match her, she then doesn't apply for the position. And so if there are words that are used that do not feel appropriate to her, she too will end up not applying to the position. So consequently, we developed a, a, a tool within Teamwork Online to be able to screen for that. And now the jobs that are coming out of Teamwork are much more balanced towards drawing men and women and diversity. It is... Um, Amazing the, the reach that we have will bring to teamwork about a, over 175,000 new diverse candidates, maybe close to 200,000 or more, more diverse candidates to teamwork this year uh, alone. So the industry is clearly paying attention and people are agreeing with them, I want to be part of this diverse and inclusionary business segment of, of business in the United States. Well, and Buffy, to your point, you know, obviously the, the different jobs and the different positions can uh, vary geographically, right? Is, is there any difference you see um, across the country or across different sports. I know, you know, it's obviously been an initiative amongst MLB from a diversity inclusion perspective and some other leagues. Is there anything that you see from a trends perspective um, that, you know, females who are trying to get into sports or males who are trying to get into sports uh, from any gender, race, et cetera, uh, can pay attention to? Well, I think there are a number of initiatives, uh, and clearly there are some that we have promoted, a number of initiatives in minor league baseball of changing the work rules for parenting. So allowing them, allowing a general manager not to have to be at a team for an enormous amount of time, not only working, but watching the games. 
And I think more teams are, are watching this, taking advantage of, of listening to whether this is going to work or not. And I think it's been very successful in, in helping these teams make, make money and attracting good talent. I would certainly say that, go ahead. Yeah, no, you, you finish. I'm jumping after you're done. Yeah, so I think that that uh, the NBA has also been in, including jobs called uh, a chief diversity officer, mm-hmm. and this has been a league initiative to have someone represented within each of the teams who is very mindful of creating a an atmosphere that is very welcoming um, and inclusionary to all groups of people. And I, I feel that whether the team has that role or not, I can certainly say from all of our information, all of our clients, everyone is is very much on the same page of providing or trying to provide a very welcoming environment. And in, in the days where there was a pretty simple example, come, come in early, stay late. Um, as a way to get ahead, and Buffy talked about it. It probably worked the whole session as we end this one. But life work talent, where everyone outside of the people who were working in sport police get the most glamorous, high-paying, low-tension job that you could have, while they're making ten times what the person is making inside the team and working 130 hours, that's hard for people to deal with. And I know, and Buffy has seen it, many, many people, I mean, they hit the rocks because they have no life work balance. It's all work. And literally, those that succeed in this business succeed because they do have strong spouses, they do have strong families, and they do have ownerships that are enlightened enough and will be more enlightened through Buffy and others to make it work in today's world because it is not as easy as just come early, stay late, and don't care about anything else. Would you agree, Buffy? Yeah, well, I will say it's kind of interesting in listening to women look at a job description that says as part of the job description, you'll be responsible for attending all of the games. And as soon as that's written into the job description, many of the women will not apply uh, because women still feel that they're responsible caretakers for their for their families. So these are things that um, many of the teams are becoming much more, as I say, enlightened. And I would say clearly this is something this year, I would call this year much more an enlightened year by the teams with all of the things going on in, in, uh, in the world that they want to be welcoming and they, they want to try to have flexibility. They want to try to figure out how can we get done in five hours, uh, what we used to get done in eight hours. Can we let people leave by 2.30 if we don't happen to have a game so that they can have time with their families? And Andy, as you know, yes, start early, stay late used to be the the mantra of the business. I think that this younger generation is going to teach us a thing or two that that's (laughs) not necessarily true. You don't have to do that to be successful. 
And Buffy, one more thing for you, you know, before we, we start to wrap this up, but, you know, we were talking earlier and, and you had mentioned kind of the trends of, um, people who are trying to get into the game and what kind of jobs are right for them. Right. And, and what to look for. And are there certain teams that are hiring certain positions, whether that's, you know, analytics, ticket sales, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Maybe dive into that a little bit uh, before we wrap it up. Sure. I think that from an entry level standpoint, the entry level positions are typically easiest in a game operations job in some kind of a part-time position there are plenty of these that what they'll be called seasonal positions in which they'll be responsible for doing something during the game day time frame and it can be managing a the the kids club in the baseball park it can be a, a concierge at the at, at the opening of a building it can be um, doing social media, managing what managing the the uh, entry and and leaving of suites and and suite services. There's a number of day of game positions that are always available uh, for a taste of the business. Then I would say uh, clearly internships with college credit, and many of them are now paying. Uh, the colleges are, are are saying that that's appropriate as well. The the internship can get paid, and those go across all different uh, areas of the business. On an entry level side, ticket sales continues to be the easiest and most important uh, position, and it is the most popular position. We, this is the area of the business that generates the biggest revenue stream to be able to pay for everything else. And it is clearly now, Andy, which is kind of interesting, it is the pathway to the C-suite. So it is learning how to manage people and how to manage processes. And within that area, you start getting into your data analytics and your marketing. Um, and and then developing great relationships with corporations, moving into your sponsorship sales. So, albeit that hadn't been necessarily the place to draw the senior executive, it appears that that is much more popular now. Well, there are clearly, in, in, yeah. Well, and does that does that mean that? You know, you have to develop different skill sets uh, for for those types of positions versus others. Sure, I think that that as Andy alluded to at the beginning, Jake, the uh, the tactical nature of that job usually is something that is perhaps not as appealing to people. That you're you're going to be doing a tactical assignment day after day after day, and then you have to develop into a strategic executive. And so I think that learning to do the tactical things, such as dribbling a basketball, right? I'm going to learn how to dribble. I'm going to learn how to shoot. I'm going to learn these tactical things. And then I'm going to learn how to use them strategically is not uncommon for many of us who have been athletes in high school or several who have been in college. Mm -hmm. So I think that that 
those are the skills necessary. There are places in the industry that you can enter without having to start from the get-go. And those include that data analytics side. Those can include finance, human resources, um, even some marketing positions. So there are places that you don't have to start at the bottom, but you can come in after a few years and still be qualified to get a position in the sports business. So, Buffy, what what is the most significant yes to first impressions? And on the other side of that, you know that I'm the world's greatest optimist with no deal of sarcasm. What, <laughs> what would be the ultimate negative in that first two or three minutes that you're meeting a decision maker in any way, shape, or form in any environment? What would the thumbs up be from your experience and what would the thumbs down be? I would say that people who are excited about their life in whatever way they're going to show it, Andy, a person who understands data incredibly well and gets excited about that, a person who is just excited about the journey of their life, their enthusiasm about one's life and the things that they have done thus far is such a key component in being able to make a connection. People want to be around people that are happy about where they're going. And it doesn't mean that they need to have this bubbly personality. They just need to have a tremendous amount of interest in where they're going. So I, I would put that as a number one feature in being able to present oneself and enthusiastically at our networking events, the teamwork hosts and about we, we hosted over 70 events and face to face events in which people can meet hiring managers. This is kind of amazing to have a digital platform that does these face to face. We look a little bit more like a, dating platform perhaps but in this way we ask the individuals to introduce themselves with their name and their best business success their most innovative thing they've done their best athletic success and the smiles on people's faces when they talk about what's best of what they're doing even if they just got fired from a job makes them so excited and makes the connection between the two people listening and talking to each other so much better. So I think we encourage encourage people to take ownership of the neat, neat things that they're doing, share that with other people, and that draws people to each other. I agree, and I would just say, on the other side of, oh, I don't think that's going to work. I try to look at people's thought bubbles above their head, pretty good at it. And that would be the famous character on Saturday Night Live played by Rachel Bratt, Debbie Downer, right? With the wah-wah music in the back. When, <laughs> when you're around, when you're around either Debbie or Don Downer, it's not happening no matter what level of expertise they might have. Um, people usually, in the hiring mode, usually 
go 180 degrees in the opposite direction. So, Buffy, uh, for the millions of people that are tuning in in any message to listen to life in the front office, where do they find you and where should they go as, as we wrap up today's session? I would also ask, on behalf of Jake and Fred Claire and Pat Gallagher, if you would join us again in the not-too-distant future. Great. Well, Andy, certainly I would love to join you and Jake uh, anytime on additional podcasts. And where they can where they can find really me at Buffy at TeamworkOnline.com is my email address, but as well, TeamworkOnline.com, www.teamworkonline.com is that portal page, is that search page for thousands and thousands of sports positions in which people can create a profile and have the jobs of their dreams sent to them and have a level playing platform to be able to apply for a job and have their record viewed by the hiring manager. We give them the tools to be able to show themselves as best they can, and we give them right to the hiring manager. Awesome. Well, Buffy, we really appreciate your time and and, uh, insights and advice today. our listeners will certainly appreciate it. Andy, always, always a great time spending uh, time on the phone with you. And, you know, we're looking forward to future episodes. Uh, if you liked Life in the Front Office, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, we will be sharing via LinkedIn and other social media. We now have a Twitter at uh, Life Front Office. So follow us, tweet us. Uh, if you have any feedback, Um, And looking forward to uh, our next episode, sneak peek to uh, Pat Gallagher and Rick Welts from the Golden State Warriors. So, um, Andy, I know you know Rick well, so we are uh, certainly looking forward to that. Um, And thank you again for your time. Thank you. Bye, guys. Andy, thank you.